Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat. Grab your work boots and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk and thank you for your continued support of a platform that is dedicated to you, industrial professionals all around the world, because you're bold, you are brave, you dare greatly, you innovate, you collaborate, you solve problems, and therefore you are making the world a better place. That's why we celebrate you on this particular podcast. Now, we are broadcasting on site the 31st annual SMRP conference here in Orlando, and it is a great event. It has wonderful individuals who are all focused on solving problems and making the world a better place. If you are interested in maintenance, asset management, reliability, smrp.org is your first and only connection that you need to make sure that you can connect with individuals like the one we have here. How you doing, man? Doing good, Scott. It's always good to see Kevin. Kevin's a nice guy. You don't have any real sharp edges around you. No, I try not to. You succeed, right, right, Susie? Yeah, no, no sharp edges. No baggage. No baggage. No, no, no drama. I like it, man. Honestly, you having a good conference? Good conference. Yeah, it's been well attended. Um, awesome attendees. It looks like the the number of practitioners is really high compared to what we normally get. Yeah, I think we had what uh, over twelve hundred. Yeah, and it's like a record. Definitely broke a record. I wonder what was it used to be. Well, I was conference chair in 2019, pre-pandemic, in Louisville, and we had 1,187. So, oh, not yeah. terribly, not yeah, t- not terribly uh, different. But when you look at percentages, it's still up there in that five to ten percent. Do you increase. see things like um, the adoption of, you know, reliability asset management type principles increasing? Or I mean, it just seems like there's a greater embrace of of that solution. There are. Those. There are, and I think a lot. I think a lot of companies are trying to learn more today. I think technology becomes um, a big part of that, um, but I think we still have the some of the illusion out there that technology is going to fix broken process. Yeah. yeah, sadly, but you're you're right about that. Yeah, and I think they're looking for that silver bullet. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, some companies were kicked in the teeth as a result of you know mm-hmm. COVID. Gosh, we are vulnerable. What do we do? How do we how do we create a business that's resilient? Hey, let's do some asset management stuff. How about we do some technology? And it's good and bad. I mean, at least it, it created the focus that is necessary. Yeah, it gives us um, uh, gives us something to work towards. You know, as we look at this, the technology and it's advancing, and then we look at our competitors and our competitors maybe deploying software. I think it's giving some others drive to to really go after it because um as we've been talking mm-hmm. software is becoming more and more of a competitive advantage yeah i I'm, I'm always struggle with uh you know with there's a lot of noise out there mm-hmm. and then how do i differentiate one software to the other and it, it it becomes somewhat commoditized i just see the same thing the same lingo the lexicon is the same you just, I, I just find it gets down to the individual and yeah. the human. That that's the connection. Yeah, and and you, you'll see them jumping from software to software. And uh, what I find interesting is when I see them jumping from a top five software to another top five software. Pretty quickly, you figure out it's really not the software that's the problem. No, no, right off the bat, because 
You're right about that. Mm-hmm. All right, for the new listeners out there, give us a little background on who Kevin is. Uh, so I've been around a long time, as you I have. mentioned before. He's 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 a little tired today. Yeah, a little tired today. Um, Poor guy. Voice is a little tough. Uh, <laughs> lots of talking, presenting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no sympathy on this side. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <not sympathy. laughs> I'll, I'll try to get through this. Yeah. Um, so I've been around a long time. Uh, I have been conference chair um, for SMRP back in 2019, the Louisville site. Um, I came up through the ranks, um, with companies like Johnson and Johnson and, and, um, Caterpillar global leadership for maintenance excellence programs, leading, uh, uh large enterprise systems at Johnson and Johnson, like Maximo, uh, for all sites. Um, and as I grew up, matured, uh, rolled into roles that were more strategic, um, with companies like Fortive and Fluke and Accruent, and more recently moving into artificial intelligence with Falconry. Segway time. Let's talk a little bit about AI. Because really, because of Falconry and and, uh, a lot of activity around that particular company, a lot of exciting activities around that company. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about AI. How's it changing? What, talk to us about Falconry. Yeah. Make it happen, Captain. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's in the news. I'll just start it with that. Um, it's in the news that we're in the process of being acquired by IFS. We've announced the definitive agreement, and uh, we're working on the close. So uh, probably by the end of the year, we'll be looking at um, being wholly owned by IFS um, out of Sweden. Um, powerful asset management company, uh, well-respected in Europe and beginning to move into North America, and that's why m- Many people won't recognize IFS right away, um, but it's a it's a formidable asset management company, and um, Falconry is going to play a big part in all of their platforms. Um, so Falconry deployed out against every every platform at uh, at IFS, and then also be a standalone uh, business unit at IFS. What is the the AI and all of the the stuff that's wrapped around AI? How's that impacting asset management, maintenance? What, tell us yeah. how that's going to uh, work with IFS. I can't do that without giving a little history. Yeah, please. <clears throat> so during my my years, I, I grew up um, doing uh, critical uh, criticality assessments, um, failure modes, effects, and criticality analysis, and and that that we developed our our predictive programs starting there. And that's that's good process. That's good um, um, data that gets us to a job plan that's effective on your assets. The thing that we're dealing with now um, is when we do predictive, uh, oftentimes we're doing it in isolation. And so we go out to what we'll put on sensors that, that make sense for an electric motor. We can identify temperature, vibration, accelerometers, and other things that amperage, things that are going to matter for uh, um, an electric motor failing. Um, what AI does differently is it, it doesn't live by thresholds. It doesn't have a high and a low. Um, AI looks at um, all of the data that's coming in, typically operational data, uh, but also with predictive data coming in, same types of things where it could be vibration, it could be temperature. Um, all of those together, AI looks at it and it understands it from and learns it as a what is normal. And once it understands what's normal, then it can understand what um, is changing. And so it watches for things that are not normal. What I like about capturing operational data as opposed to just 
predictive data is operational data tells me exactly where I am, what products are running, what state status the machine is in, um, what levels it's running. Um, so I know everything about the operation plus you throw in that predictive data. I now have a really good understanding of, of things that are beginning to fail in a way I didn't have before because I don't have the thresholds that I need or that I had before in predictive. Now it's learning what's normal and watching for the abnormal. So it's, it's what we're talking about is the ability to be able to take in all of these different data points ongoing real time, mm -hmm. right? Not, right. And, and the, the platform, the AI solution gives you that real holistic picture mm -hmm. of your operation, not that, not just the asset, but the whole operation. Right. How does it display that? How does it, so how the, does it, like yeah. you know, me as a human going, well, what, what is that? Yeah, you can display it a lot of, a lot of ways, but <clears throat> we display it um, in the most basic form. We display it as a heat map. So it's in colors, oh, no way. right? So if you've got a hundred signals that are coming through the AI, it will show all hundred signals and it'll give you a heat map of what's failing or beginning to fail. So if yellow means I've got problems, <laughs> red means I got big problems, purple means I'm good. You couldn't go with green. Mm, no, no green, <laughs> no green. Couldn't go with that. Oh God, <laughs> I'd have to learn that one. It's like <laughs> purple is a combination of blue and red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so purple's good. Purple's so good. it's 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 your classic dashboard, but not a dashboard as we know it, but as a sort of a heat signature. That that's yeah, it's, it's more like a heat. It looks like a heat signature um, in essence, but it's more of an analysis tool um, for an engineer, for for a, a process engineer, um, for a technician that they can take a look, quick look at that. They can also be notified by the system that that we have anomalies. <laughs> Does it give me the ability to drill down? So I'm taking this and I'm looking and I whatever double click for lack of a better term, double click and it drills down and gives me the where the little what's causing the anomaly. Yeah, the anomaly is typically more than one yeah. signal, right? So it's it's usually a clump of signals, and it could be other things that are that are. Um, give me a, give me an example of another thing because I, I get the vibration. It's vibrating, not good. Right. Uh, you know. It, well, and often we have operational data not predictive data. And that's a whole different conversation where in most organizations, we find operational data located in one place. And we find predictive data located someplace else. Hmm. They're typically not together. Now, right. you know, the word on the street is, and I've heard this from numerous customers and uh, uh, people at events that they're working on centralized data repositories real time. And if that's the case, then AI is going to be um, so much more effective because AI wants more data. It's vital. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how anybody can effectively. Uh, I mean, you, you can. I'm not. I'm not saying that a, a human can't do it. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that, but I think there's a time element to it. Right. The quicker so, I can do it. I, mean, uh, I, I was just going to give you the example of yeah. of the other thing. <clears throat> the other thing might be maybe you got amperage draw on mm -hmm. on one motor mm -hmm. that's going up but at the same time you see maybe a fluid level is low on another and so the two of those together create the anomaly and it might mean something it might be something you've already identified before so it might be yeah. a known anomaly and there's there's things known as unknown anomalies and those are the ones that we have to do deep analysis yeah but in that same 
scenario. It might not be the the condition of the asset. It just can be the condition of the operations, or right. the, you know the the feedstock not coming through, or a, a something right. something you know causing a. That's that's why the conversation quickly goes, Scott. To um, well, can can AI detect quality? Yeah, yeah. Of course yeah. it can. Of course it can. But it all it's all dependent upon the learning and the teaching by humans on what those anomalies mean. And as we, as, we, as we begin to identify more and more and more, and the more data you give AI, the more it learns, the more normal makes sense to it. How do, how do you take, let's say I'm, I'm interested, and I'm interested in that, that holistic view, and I want, I want to be able to start begin pulling information in such a way that I can see the, the overall operational health, not just asset, whatever, mm-hmm. operational health of my operations. Mm-hmm. Do you start incrementally or do you begin, how do you, how do you, how do you deploy? I mean, yeah. I don't even know where you start. Yeah. And then I, train it. And then, yeah. Right. Um, it's data, right? So we can take historical data. We don't like to do that because it really doesn't give you the best, but it helps teach AI quickly. Uh, so you can use historical data and then it quickly learns what normal looks like. Um, but we, even if we're doing a pilot, Scott, we connect live data. We always recommend connecting live data. And once we're able to collect live data, usually within, it could be days, it could be weeks, depending on how fast the data is. If it's slower data, it's going to take longer to learn. Well, it makes sense. Right. Um, but days, weeks, you're going to have, um, um, learned AI. When, when do you know it's learned? Well, it's always on a journey, right? Yeah, of course. Right. That's, that's the point. And that's, that's the thing about, about predictive. And that's why AI is so powerful is because AI never forgets. And so you could go six months, you could go a year, you could go two years. And finally that one anomaly shows up that you've never seen before. And it might even be a pattern that it comes up every once, once a year. Yeah. And that could be a pattern, and it could be telling you something, but you never saw it before because you weren't monitoring the right things. But now with AI, you're monitoring essentially everything. Um, so it never stops learning, just like with the human body. Yeah. We never stop getting sick. We never stop um, getting hurt. You know, so there's we're always, if you were to t- attach AI to our body, it would always be finding anomalies, things that are not normal. And so same thing with the machine. It's always going to have something. But when, when do you determine that, okay, we've, we've run it long enough. We think that it has enough information. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sentient now, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. It, it, it has learned. Mm-hmm. So how do you know that and just sort of let it go? Or do you just like, yeah, it's run enough. I, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, thumbs up, we're ready to roll. Right. I'd be willing to say um, that we haven't seen one that is, I would call, the perfect model um, because they're all in the midst of learning because this, yeah. is, this is new technology. It's been around a long time, but it's newer in the application of, of drilling down to uh, the anomaly detection on an asset. So that part is still fairly new. Um, but I think it would be difficult to say there is one gold standard asset out there that you would use across all assets like it. Right. So one CNC where, you know, it's perfect 
AI, can you take that against all other CNCs? I don't think it exists yet today. Yeah, but but again, it's a journey. It's an absolute journey, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and and the, I'm assuming mm-hmm. the value is there. Yeah. The real the real gains are there. Yeah, and you know the the thing about um, the thing about monitoring both process and um, asset data is that it um, it continues to get better and it continues to give you more insights as you go right so if you're if you're learning if it's learning what the anomalies are and you're helping to identify what and giving context to each of those anomalies mm-hmm. the next time it comes up you know more what's interesting would be the that moment in time where you see red and and then you drill down and you go oh mm-hmm. that's odd right aha uh-huh. Or it, it, it must be a real interesting, I don't know, realization. I yeah. Don't know, it just seems. No. It is. And you know, the other thing, and I like to tie it back to, to, to criticality assessments and, and uh, failure modes and effects of criticality analysis, that, um, that when we identify an anomaly and we don't know what it is, root cause, we need to go back and identify it, right? And we have so much more depth of what went wrong. Because this is time series AI. So we know exactly when things happened. And we know exactly where they happened. And we know exactly what sensors they were. And we also know exactly what happened to the product. There's just so much more that we know. So root cause analysis becomes much simpler because all of that data is right there and been captured. Um, if we were doing, just doing it on a SCADA system, Scott, it would be difficult, super difficult yeah. to go back and correlate all that data yeah, yeah. and bring them together. Yeah, yeah. That's what AI is doing for us. And then, and in that uh, root cause analysis, uh, that it, it continues to learn. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you manipulate the model in such a way and say, hey, here's something new? Can you, you know, infuse more stuff into it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can always build more models. Uh, we've seen clients with hundreds and thousands of models. No kidding. Um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're accommodating for any scenario that could potentially happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're wonderful. Like, you'd have no, you'd have no pointy parts. Come on. No. No, nobody, ever, nobody has ever come to me and said, Kevin's pointy. They've come to me and said, I'm pointy, uh, but not I'm, you. I'm going to have to try harder. Eh, he wouldn't. That's not your nature. How did they get a hold of you there, Kevin? Um, you can either get me at uh, kevin.clark at falconry.com. Okay. Or you can... Uh, You're out on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Or you can get me on LinkedIn. Um, I think it's Clark KD, but uh, just look for me. I'll Kevin Clark Falconry. You can find me. I'll have your stat <laughs> card out there on industrialtalk.com. So fear not. We're going to have all the contact information for Kevin out on industrialtalk.com. We're broadcasting from SMRP, 31st. Uh, yeah, it's the 31st. Yeah. It's always an annual conference right here. 31. Yep. You were you were there back then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, about 20 back. About yeah, 20 okay. Back. All right. If you're in the world of asset management, maintenance, and reliability, or everything in between, you need to be a part of SMRP. Go out to smrp.org. Find out more. Be a part of the conversation. We're going to have another great chat just in a moment, so stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. Always a great conversation with Kevin the Legend. It, it sort of rhymes. Uh, I'm going to go with it. Kevin 
the legend. Because he, he brings to the table tremendous mad skills in the world of asset management and maintenance and reliability, all of that. He's got, he's, he is one that you must connect with too. Because here at Industrial Talk, we're all about collaborating. We're all about education. We're all about collaborating. And we're all about that uh, innovation. And there's Kevin right there. Educating, collaborate. He wants to collaborate. And definitely falconry and the innovation that's happening there, a must. you got to look into it. Just do it. That's your call to action. Easy peasy. Go out to Industrial Talk. All the contact information for Kevin out there easy to connect with no friction we don't want friction we want you to succeed we want you to be a part of industrial talk most definitely so be bold be brave dare greatly hang out with kevin change the world we're going to have another great conversation shortly so stay tuned